listening to What the Truth. Oh, Dad, welcome back to the Truth Booth. Hey, how was your ride? It's weird, right? We were talking about right before we went on air. Like, today is Wednesday, but, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm lost in the world. I'm still on Mountain Time, and... There's a lot of weekends. There's a lot to put me through. I want to stay on mountain time, kind of. It's like a lost time, I know. And it was a great Labor Day, and I kind of lost myself out there uh, on the Hiawassee. Yeah. Yeah. Were you paddleboarding? I was uh, kayaking. Kayaking. All right. (laughs) We're talking about a river. You said you had to stage your cars, right? And I was like, well, why don't you just paddle back? And then you... You, you told me about things called currents. <laughs> yeah, like Got a little, uh, it's kind of hard to go up that stream with or without a paddle. Chad, remember we talked about the bullwhip effect? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a Popeye's, Popeye's chicken, right? Have you had the new sandwich? We've talked about this. I know, but I, have you had the sandwich? I still haven't, but apparently I'm missing out. A lot of people haven't, and it's been causing chaos. There's a Popeye's, there's Popeye's in Houston. There People is a gun. I mean, it's the fourth largest city in the United States. Yeah, I but, would think they'd have a Popeyes. Yes, but do they all have people drawing guns on the workers there because they ran out of a chicken sandwich? They're the fourth largest city in the in the United States. You would think that they'd be able to keep those things in stock. I think this viral marketing campaign is going a little bit too far. Chad. Well, that'll teach them to run out and to have you know if they had listened to us about the bullwhip effect. Yeah. And we didn't say that in Texas. We said that in Denver. But I went to Texas for the first time ever when I went to Gats. Yeah. It was just over there. You rendezvoused with me in Denver. But now we just got news as That's of right. uh, a few hours ago that you and I and what the truck will be going to tell the people. The fourth largest city in the United States. The fourth largest city in Houston there. <laughs> Woo! And we're not yeah, going to We're going. Where are we going? The Insight User Conference in Houston on uh, 915 to 918, I believe it's going to be. Yes, yes. We're going to try and maybe catch an Astros game when they play the Rangers. <laughs> yes, you can see us there. T-shirt we'll be Tuesday. There. We'll be like Ferris yeah. Bueller catching uh, foul balls in the uh, the audience. Uh, we are going to be broadcasting, podcasting yeah. on the 16th and 17th um, of September. So stay oh. tuned for okay. that, right? But not the 15th yeah. and 18th. No, we fly in on the 15th Oh, and depart, I think, on the, on the 18th. 18th. Okay. All right. It sounds the, like we're still finalizing those details, but we will the, be is there. Is the 18th Tuesday? <sighs> no, that's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Sorry Something to bother like you with that. Yeah. Uh, viewers. We'll get to the headlines. A lot of stories. A lot Please. of stories to get to. Get us going. We'll, we'll get our story straight by, <laughs> on Friday. We'll be coming at you with another episode on Friday. Today's Wednesday. The schedule is a little bit rejiggered. But here we go. <sighs> well, here's one for you, Chad. Federal agency rules... Misclassifying employees is not a violation. Trucking companies that cla- that trucking companies that misclassify drivers, independent contractors, are not violating federal law, according to the National Labor Relations Board. That's the NLRB. That's an important board. Yeah, three of the agency's four board members held that an employer's mere communications to his workers that it believes they are independent contractors does not violate the NLRA if that opinion is later found to be wrong. And uh, according to the board, they had this to say when they issued their ruling on August 29th. It said such communication does not inherently threaten those employees with termination or other adverse actions if they engage in activities protected by the NLRA. Nor does it communicate that it would be futile for them to engage in such activities. Yeah, I see what's going on here. Yeah. That determination was made after the board applied a decision it made on a case earlier this year. Super Shuttle DFW, that was the name of the case. Uh, it was involving Medical Express delivery company Velox Express. That's a pretty cool name. Like for a case? No, Super, super oh. Shuttle DFW. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a lot going on there. It's like, it's like they're trying to be attention Better game. than some of the other cases <laughs> we've, we've read. The board found that Velox Express workers are employees, not independent contractors. So, therefore, Velox Express violated the NLRA mm. when it fired an employee for complaining about the way workers were being treated. However, the board held that the company misclassifying its employees as independent contractors in and of itself was not a separate violation. This ruling is considered by legal experts as the latest in a string of wins this year for employers, including trucking companies, that can avoid significant wage and benefit costs by hiring workers classified as independent contractors versus employees. This seems like something that's going to come up a lot more often as we talk about the gig economy, things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's been state by state. Yep. 
It's not a big ruling in California. Right. Dynamex. Yeah. Uh, that was we covered that a lot in 2018, and yes, I, and, and New Jersey's uh, some, got some groundbreaking Supreme Court laws as well. This has is kind of a counter to to those. It seems like it's saying, hey, you can't you can't just arbitrate based upon this one misclassification of the definition of of of, of an employee or contractor. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Uh, U.S. is to leave. Global Postal Union next month, barring last-minute action, the exit could send global parcel rates soaring. Get this. Barring an 11th-hour agreement, the U.S. Postal Service will leave the, you might not have known this existed, the Universal Postal Union, the UPU, on, very soon, October 17th. Ending 144 years of U.S. involvement in the international body that governs the exchange of mail and postal parcels between countries and perhaps fundamentally changing the landscape of global air shipping. Members of the 192-member United Nations body will gather on September 25th and 26th in Geneva, Switzerland, in the only extraordinary Congress, as they call it, in UPU history. Or it's the third. It's only the third time that they've had to do this. The key agenda item will be to vote on what UPU is calling the possible revision of small packet remuneration rates, which is the core issue to determine the future of U.S. involvement. Hmm. Unless the UPU agrees to the proposal by a September 30 deadline, Dooner, Hmm. the U.S. (laughs) will leave the union 17 days later and over time begin a framework of bilateral negotiations with individual postal authorities the self-declare regime would begin in 2020 yeah i don't know if this is more grandstanding or what but the practical effect of the exit of the u.s would be a rate increase of at least 300 percent on postal parcel traffic to the u.s from heavy net exporting countries as rates kept artificially low for decades begin to normalize the subsidies go away According to Matthew White, a strategist for iDrive Logistics, a consultancy working with customers to prepare did, contingency plans for the possible U.S. exit. Did I hear that right? Did you say at least 300% yeah. parcel rate increase? Yeah. That seems like a lot. I guess. How much is the stamp what? right now? 51 cents? I don't know. We wow. bought a lot of these forever stamps. It's like a dollar fifty-three to send us. For just a stamp. Yeah. Just for a, like a little. That's really going to change some things. Yeah, but, you know, if you think about it, so here's what's cool about the Postal Service. And not about the rates, but here's what's cool. Like, if you think about it, you take a letter, right? You throw it. Yeah. It's such a weird system. Because you take a letter, <laughs> you throw it in a box, and, like, for, like, 51 cents, or, I mean, it used to be even cheaper, someone would take that and, like, take it anywhere in the country for you. Like, go through a box and they'd sort it, and it just seems like almost oh, yeah. like madness. Well, it's uh, it's crazy, but it's it's madness yeah. that you can just, like, you know, walk, you know, drive over about five minutes and hop on a thing and be floating, floating across the, you know, like, 30,000 feet in the air. Is the world getting too advanced for us? The world's getting crazy. This is from today's pickup. That's one of my favorite articles on our site. South African violence highlights deadly campaign against foreign truckers. Hmm. So President Cyril Ramphosa pledges to crack down on xenophobic violence, which has claimed the lives of more than 200 foreign truckers since 2018. Ramphosa said on September 3rd he would address the xenophobic attacks after five people were killed, Chad. But the campaign against foreign truckers has lasted Far longer than that, and it's claimed more than 200 lives since March of 2018, according to research from South Africa's Road Freight Association. Yeah, it's a bad scene. Human Rights Watch highlighted highlighted the staggering death toll in an August report that called for South African authorities to urgently intervene. This is what HRW wrote. Groups of people claiming to be South African truck drivers have thrown gasoline bombs at trucks and shot at stoned stabbed wow. and harassed foreign truck drivers to force them out of the trucking industry. Wow. That's taking things next level. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, when I worked at FedEx Trade Networks, there was a big protest that was going on at the time. Yeah. And a lot of union workers would sit there and they would get pretty aggressive. Not this aggressive. They weren't like dragging people through the streets, but they were throwing things at people's cars, blocking the entryway, blocking the exit way, yeah. and, and in general, intimidating people. Well, that's a typical, workers, Which is weird because we worked for the brokerage. Like, I was just like, an, I was just filing entries. You know, right. I'm like, I don't have anything to do with your struggle. Right. You're just like, I'm the middleman here. Yeah. But, just want to get home. 
Yeah, uh, but you know, strike breakers that can make strikers bad, but I mean, mad. But yeah. um, but we weren't is, breaking any strike. Th- we were like literally is, just working operations. No, not you, but yeah, the, yeah th- but this is different. That this is yeah. based on ex- man. There's some extreme r- violence and racism that keeps coming Apparently. out of that area. Yeah. <clears throat> um, from the port report, ocean shipping rates reflecting. September optimisms. Finally, some good news, perhaps, here. Mm, Uh, Sort of. Well, (laughs) uh, forwarders and ocean carriers are betting a major holiday in Asia. And seasonal inventory building at U.S. retailers will provide a boost to container shipping rates. Despite the short-term bump, one outlook for 2019 suggests the container shipping industry will remain challenged. Oh, okay. So spot rates on one of the busiest ocean trade lanes for moving containerized goods are starting September at the highest level seen in nearly two months. The Freitos Baltic Index on sonar for China, North America, West Coast, sat at 1,617 per 40-foot per, per mm-hmm. equivalent unit. That's an FEU yeah. as of September 3rd. The index reflects spot transactions for capacity on eastbound trans-Pacific container ships. Yeah, but here's the thing. Okay. So the $329 per FEU jump from August 30th reflects the general rate increase. That's a GRI. The container ship lines have thus far pushed through to customers. Mediterranean yeah. Shipping Company, MSC, that's the one that actually had the cocaine You're on You're using right? a lot of terms. They issued a $1,000 increase for standard FEU for eastbound shipments from Asia to U.S. ports starting in September. The yeah. increase drops to 600 per FEU on September 15th. MSC is saying that freight rates are unsustainable, and they can't make a buck on the water. So... I guess the optimism there is based on this. Usually when a shipping line puts out a GRI, yeah. many times it will not be honored. Like, all all the all of the shippers will be like, nah. And the oh, carriers really? will be like, oh, okay, never mind. They'll be like, yeah. there is a rate increase. Generally, yeah. a rate increase. And then they'll be like, no. And they'll be like, okay. Well, then like. Yeah. They're no. like, oh, uh, no. And then they'll be like, you know what? We're not seeing the confidence in this rate increase. And then, then that's that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only everything worked that way, like yeah. the USPS raising our stamps. Is JP here? Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit of, of this hurricane, Dorian. We've heard so much about it. If it's done anything to the freight market, we've had a lot of coverage on there. I know he wrote an article talking about market distortions. He is not, but you know who is? Daniel Pickett is here. Is he? We can jump Pickett in if we can. Daniel Pickett, we'll go with you instead, sir. Oh, reliable. Good to bring you here. Daniel, Daniel Pickett. Yeah, we'll do a little... Uh... King of the data frontier, as I always say. Welcome yeah. aboard. Good to have yeah. you here. Time to go. It's been Chat. a while. It's time to get back. off the blockchain. The blockchain? Turn down the lights. The blockchain. <laughs> Let's make it digital. Let's make it digital. Let's make it digital, Time to get digital, Good to have you on. How you doing, Pickett? I'm just grooving to that smooth beat. That smooth beat. Well, thanks, thanks. You didn't bring your giant growler with you in here. No, 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 I didn't. Oh, yeah. How much liquid does that hold? So it's uh, 52 ounces. It's a Bucky's mug. Um, (laughs) You know, everything's bigger in Texas, so naturally. That's right, and we're headed there pretty soon. Yeah. Houston. Yeah, Yeah. Houston for the uh, Insight User Conference. I believe Tremble puts that one on. Yep, yep. I did that one last year. Oh, is it a good one? What should we we look out for? Yeah. you know, there, there's always a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting tech talk there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of vendors that are kind of doing creative things. Um, you're, you're back in in uh, South Texas, so you've got to go get yeah. some solid Tex-Mex. Obviously. Yeah, I get, to, I get to reuse my cowboy hat. Right, I, right. I Sounds yeah. pretty good to me. Well, before we get into the tech stuff happening with Sonar, yeah. let's talk about a different kind of. Uh, data application that's happening, a, te- a tech application. It's kind of becoming a menace. A menace? To society. <laughs> what is? The e-scooters. The e-scooters. We're still talking about those. All I right. know. Yeah. Okay. We're still talking about All them. Right. What's the latest that's been happening with them? Are they They're going you, you viral. Know, so, so they are. I, and, I mean, uh, uh, the way I describe it is they're awesome. Yeah. In, a, in a city where you're a tourist. Yeah. And oh, they're yeah. miserable in a city where you're a resident. Yeah. Right? They were in <laughs> Dallas. I thought it was like insanity because they're dockless. And it just seems right. like the companies came and they poured like thousands of them on the streets. Yeah. And just, it's just madness in the streets. People just leave them wherever they, they please. And uh, there's a report we're going to get into later. But like yeah. half of the people that are injured on there that have had like blood tests, they found that they're above the legal limit on alcohol. And they right. also have like THC right. and methamphetamine in them. Oh, my All gosh. ingredients to make you want to just like scoop. No, I mean, it, it's... How fast yes. do they go? 
Uh, probably not more than 10 or 15 miles oh, an hour. Oh, they go I mean, more not, than 10. They really, go five, really. don't they? But, I don't know. But nobody wears nobody wears helmets. Right, yeah. right, right. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, it's you're still very much uh, driving under the influence. If you get one of those out on the road, like, okay, yeah. maybe you're not going to kill somebody in a car. You're going to kill yourself. Yeah. Don't do it. Right. And every town that's that's had them, uh, the hospitals kind of are, are one of the places that, that people talk about being a menace because people come in with just, I mean, head injuries spike. Uh, you know, the police generally think of them as a menace because it's, yeah. it's people, you know, whack a mirror and run off because, I mean, they don't have a license plate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, exactly. When, when you're a tourist and you've got to get somewhere and you're like, I need to make it eight blocks in two minutes. You're yeah. like, oh, this is the perfect solution. And this yeah. is a guy who swims in Ironman competition. So you don't need no e-scooter. You got your own yeah. motor your own method of getting away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, though, when it's hot out, you know, it's it's uh, you get a little breeze on you. It's uh, yeah. I've done it. It's it's really nice as a tourist somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I even have one of the the same types, the uh, the Segway version, the nine bot. Um, oh, like a razor. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. like the electric like razor. My kids have the electric razors. They're super fun. But um, when you're sitting in downtown traffic, people are whizzing by, you know, bumping mirrors and yeah. drunk people are. It, it it is. I understand why people, when it's in your town, it feels like a. Nuisance. Do you think there's a future for them? Is there an application in which these can become something less than the menace that they currently well, are? I'll probably banned for insurance reasons soon enough. I mean. Man, you guys are just thinking. You're, you're... No, I, so I think there's cities that have there's cities that have just you know said go for it, guys, go nuts. And there's cities that have said, all right, we're going to allow 100. Now we're going to allow 200. Now we're oh. going to allow you know. And, and they sort of like different kind play of this game of ratcheting it up and and seeing you know what is what is that critical mass at which we go. Okay, this is this is a problem now. Or maybe we allow them in daylight. We don't okay. allow them at night. Um, it seems like every city's sort of doing it differently. And and. You know, certainly the ones that have some modicum of of restriction maybe are less uh, annoyed with it. Well, it's an endly, endlessly fascinating subject. Uh, we're also you are a ch- the chief data scientist here from the very beginning uh, right. of Sonar. Man, you have seen it since it was first going to come out in March 2018. Ended up coming out in May 2018, yeah. mm-hmm. and all the way until now. All right, we're doing some new things with it. What are we doing? Well, we no, the big thing, the big news, right, is because of yeah, the, hurricane, the hurricane. We opened right. it up. We opened up to the people out there, and I, I told, I believe, till the sixth, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the end up. of this week, um, you know, kind of now that the hurricane, we thought it was going to be in southern Florida uh, yesterday or day before. Now it's looking like maybe more Outer Banks, North Carolina, Charleston area uh, later this week. So um, I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if we extend that a little longer. Now that the the impact zone is different, and probably the impact time is, is a little different, but. It's been incredible the the uh, the uptake on that and just the people who um, want to see kind of freight data overlaid with you know the the spaghetti charts the multi model hurricane paths it's really huge um, I mean the users I stopped counting I, I've been yeah. in back to back meetings but early yesterday we were over a thousand yeah I, I mean really really fast so we're we're well into the thousands now um, we we've kind of it, it surprised us we were flattered uh, that that people really wanted to to use this during this time of crisis. So um, yeah. it's overwhelmed us from we've had to kind of bulk up some of our technical resources. We've had yeah. to bulk up our customer support resources to kind of make sure people are getting these accounts, getting in, everything. Well, so, I've been uh, yeah. finding it very user-friendly with, the you know, under the global pages, all the Dorian, sure. the Dorian video, sure. the traffic and road conditions, and the different ways to, to use that. It just, like, they materialized and then – uh, yeah, I can see that being an incredible application. Yeah, yeah, sonar. really, really helpful. And our market experts team, which um, I mean, we've got Nick Austin doing weather. We've got um, yeah. you know Strickland and and uh, Donnie and all these guys doing kind of freight data. It's uh, it's really great because you can see the road conditions. You can see what areas are our trucks avoiding. What areas are still having healthy freight in and out. Um, and, and we even do a little bit of work with FEMA and uh, Allen Aid, who who kind of coordinates uh, disaster relief to those areas where we can get into the, yeah. the detailed GPS data and tell them, okay, you know, grocery stores seem to be still getting truck traffic in this county, but not in this county. Um, we did that through the two hurricanes last year, and we're, we've already been in touch with them this year. So That's fantastic. So do you think that we'll be seeing more opportunities here in the future if there's big critical events going to happen that we're going to open up? sonar to the masses again or is this just kind of a one-off experiment i i I don't know i I think um we sort of had this idea and 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 uh put it into place uh at the last minute and and rolled with it so um i do think it's really helpful for people especially as it you know sonar is 
it is a massively complex tool. When people first get in, they're like, oh, my God, that's like the yeah. cockpit of a 747. I see all these buttons and knobs. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so the market experts have done a really good job of having those curated global pages. So uh, I, I definitely would not say never again. Um, I think it, it does help people. Um, you know, and, and ideally, if it helps people kind of figure out what is going on around a crisis and, and you know, where – where do I need to send my trucks or avoid sending my trucks? Or, yes, you know, if the path is changing, where do we need to kind of think about changing our strategy to move freight early, hold off? Um, you know, we, we'd love for people to kind of benefit from that during a crisis, but then also say, well, you know, wow, this could be really useful for me um, yeah. even when I'm not in a crisis. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, <laughs> this is a powerful tool for kind of uh, helping me plan and be a little bit more, uh, more efficient. Well, Dan, before you hit the cowbell, how do people sign up? They've got about, what, a day and a half left to experience the the, the free trial. Yeah, yeah. At FreightWaves.com, uh, maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you go on there, you cannot miss uh, all of, uh, you know, Sonar, get a get a free trial now, uh, Hurricane Dorian Relief. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can't miss it on FreightWaves.com. Nice. Well, thanks well, for joining us. I know you've been waiting to, uh, uh, waiting absolutely. and wanting. Absolutely. I know that the legendary, the legendary cowbell. That's Bessie, yeah. Nice. Wow. Hey, what else can you do with the cowbell? <laughs> I am, by the way, uh, from the sonar dashboard where we have the uh, social media uh, kind of news feed, I'm literally sending and retweeting an update on uh, Dorian as we speak. Wow. Talk yeah. about your wow. multimedia. Wow. It's there. Right? We're very proud of you, Chad. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> nice for joining us, Dan. Thanks, I'm guys. proud of sonar and great to have you on. Keep, keep up the good work. Thanks, yeah. man. You too. All right. Thank you, sir. I think I think I did see JP walk by. Um, oh yeah, he's he's standing right next to your giant growler, Mr. JP. Better late Come than on. never. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Five count of five. Five, five good minutes. minutes, JP. Boom. What's up, bro? What's going on? What am I doing? I almost knocked my own mic over. Yeah, not so excited. Everything over. It's so I thought you stood us up, and then then you materialized here. The reason you're here is we're, I, we're kind of wrapping up, I guess, our unless something major happens, we're kind of wrapping up our <clears throat> Hurricane Dorian coverage, right? It's yep. a very slow-moving storm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. We're talking about it for a while. I didn't see a single spaghetti stream that just showed, like, a big circle around the Bahamas, yeah, like, like, hanging out for... Stop here. Yeah. It's yeah. just, like, it's so weird. And now he's actually dissipating. bad for the Bahamas. Oh, I mean, oh ima- yeah. Imagine Sounds, being yeah. subjected to... 185 mile an hour winds for like 36 hours straight. That would be frightening. And with all the flood water, did, did all, any of the modeling predict that? I wonder. Like the spaghetti models? Like, no, there was that one weird one that like was going to circle around like lower Florida. Remember that? Yeah, that it was going to jump over yeah. Florida, go into the Gulf of Mexico, and come back. Or yeah, something. I don't. See, I didn't see any of them just saying, you know what? It's just going to take its time over the Bahamas. Well, it kind of looked like what it would it did over the Bahamas, except it was going to go over Florida and then just like yeah. then just like screw off with a sharp like northeasterly turn. But so you did write an article though about some of the disruptions that did occur with some of the real-time data in sonar. So what kind of insights can we glean from that if things return to normal? Yeah, um, I mean, some of the interesting stuff is that with all of the staging, there's still a lot of, like, trailers and tractors that are kind of stuck down in markets like like Tifton, Tallahassee, Montgomery, Alabama, um, the Maxwell Air Force Base in, in Montgomery, as you guys know. Uh, you know, the, the storm is taking its time up the coast, still expected to impact you know, the port of Savannah, which will be is closed and will be should be opening at some point tomorrow. Um, they don't know when Charleston will reopen because the storm could get pretty close there. It could be some damage. So it's like it's closed. It's about to make landfall, right? Or we're close to it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually going to make landfall. It's, I mean, the bands of it, right? The, the yeah. hurricane bands. Well, I mean, it's so landfall. All landfall really means is the eye of the hurricane has to touch the land that has to come on right. shore. So you could have like right up to that point where actually the ring right around the eye is where some of the harshest winds are. So it the could ride wall. the coastline. Yeah, the eye wall, and that could cause quite a bit of storm surge and and damage. I actually saw a guy in the news. He was standing on a jetty, and you know, doing like the touristy thing, like, "Oh, look at these big waves," and he got like washed right off into the water. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I hope he's okay. And then his wife is yelling at him or his girlfriend. She's like, can you get my flip-flop? <laughs> he's like just barreling out to sea. She wasn't too worried, apparently. Yeah. She's um, seen this movie. He came this... back swimming like the end of Jaws, though. He was oh, like holding okay. on to the, the flip-flop as oh, like, no. a, like a kickboard. 
uh, um, so what are some of the distortions uh, that you were talking about that happened in the freight market so far, even as this, you know, as this materializes, but it hasn't actually made landfall, but it still had some effects. Yeah. So a lot of, volume, I mean, essentially it's kind of the same story that we've been hearing a lot of volumes going into yeah. certain markets in the Southeast, a lot of tender rejections going in, meaning people you know, don't necessarily want to drive into the path of a, of a cat four, three, whatever hurricane. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and prices coming out, um, a little bit cheaper. Um, that's, that's kind of, those are anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's out of the ordinary. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's counter seasonal in a way, but, um, it's all sort of like logical stuff that, that you expect. Um, I mean, we've been, we've been covering storms, freight waves for two years now this is our third hurricane season, yeah right so yeah. we've um we've well, seen what do you mean by counter seasonal because it is hurricane season. oh i just meant like um according to the normal oh. rhythms of like produce and stuff in, yes, in yes. the southeast you wouldn't expect um a lot you know these kinds of volumes to be originating in in southeastern markets but but yeah um that's what we've seen so far we had Unless there is a lot of damage, it's not going to affect uh, lanes outside of like kind of the east coast. Nice, but if it does, Good. you know, if if Savannah or if Charleston gets damaged, it's the fourth largest uh, container port on the east coast. That could have an effect. That could that could reroute volumes. Um, if there is a disaster inland that requires a lot of supplies and a lot of staging, then that could soak up capacity you know potentially the rivalry from, continues potentially from other markets the rivalry continues so leave us with something exclusive leave us with the biggest breaking story you've got in your head right now <laughs> um <laughs> I actually actually I, I did learn something very interesting but i can't i can't say oh okay i'll tell you guys after the teaser that. of all nothing all right involves... okay well hey thanks <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining that. us yeah. and thanks for showing up late we always appreciate okay. that <laughs> so yeah. i think it's where your guests there's like a big lineup now it's all good, though. Thank you, JP. All Don't right, take yeah. the headphones Thanks, with JP. you, though. Thanks, guys. Thank you, sir. It's a storm Ooh. full of sound and fury yeah. signifying Now, we need to invite nothing. Alex in. We're gonna, we got to talk about some of these, these, these forest fires in the Amazon. I feel like we're back in, like, the 1980s when Cobra Kai ran strong. And we're talking about acid rain and ozone yeah. layers and the rainforest. Remember, like, I remember as a kid in elementary school, they'd be like, we're losing X amount of acres of rainforest every Welcome second. Welcome to the show, Alex. Yeah. Great to have you on. Yeah. She puts on the headphones. Yeah, it's just in time to lose her hearing. <laughs> <laughs> so we are yeah. uh, we're we're focusing here with on the butterfly effect. In this case, the butterfly is the trade war, and the okay. effect is the burning rainforest from soybeans. Tell us about it. Yeah. So um, you know, we uh, United States and uh, Brazil both are very large producers of soybeans. I mean, they are both competing for the top and they have been for like the last few years. And then we've got all the tariff stuff going on. So what's, what's, yeah, what's going on? So, you know, with those tariffs, China does not want to trade with us. And so they're trying to avoid it. Yeah. And with that, that means that China is looking for other options. Yeah. They want nothing to do with all the tariffs and everything. So their way of retaliating is taking away from ag products in the United States and finding other options. So the second best option and what will likely become the next best option is Uh. Brazil. And so, so what is what is what are the, some of the actions that Brazil is taking? Yeah, how does this to lead to a forest fire? Their soybean supply. Yeah, so um, Brazil really they have the comparative like they have the comparative advantage, um, just in available land that they can use. Yeah, and by doing so, they have to. It's called the rainforest. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, the rainforest. It's the available. Amazon rainforest. There's yeah. a lot That's of a space. Forest. A burning rainforest is almost like an oxymoronic too, right? Like the rainforest. Is, it's a rain. Yeah, don't burn it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, shouldn't it just put itself out? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's dry season, so oh, it can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, wow. there's like a dry and a rainy. They don't have four yeah. months, like four seasons. How many soybeans are we talking about? Is this, is this a huge <laughs> shift, like, for United States? Because not only is the rainforest going to hurt, American farmers have to be hurting, too, right? Because China seems like a huge partner. Yeah. And if this is enough to, like, tar- tar- like, Chad, when you want to plant a garden or something and you yeah. run out of space, do you start setting, like, 
the woods abutting your neighbor's property on fire? Here's the, I, I, you know, I, I haven't run into that situation yet, yeah. but I mean, I think that it's, isn't it something like they're clearing lots of space there and then, and the lots of livestock are, are like, they're not a very efficient use of the land and they're stripping the land and it's, I don't, blame I don't know. the livestock. I don't know. I don't know. You're all such of a victim the, blamer. A victim blamer. <laughs> I'm blaming those cows. Yeah. Um, they do produce a lot of methane. How does it all like work together? There's some things going on that's. Yeah. So um, basically in Brazil, the policies there have been reduced and like the police that would police like the Amazon rainforest and preventing all the policy changes and, or like the people just acquiring more land. Yeah. They're being defunded, so they can't even fight this. Oh, they're just—they're being reduced, and oh, so a policy thing. So it kind of cuts back at anybody being able to enforce any rules that would be preventing people from taking more land, and so you see more—you see more action in the farmers where they can just get away with taking more land and taking bits and pieces as they go. And once that land is burned, it can't be replenished. It, going back to what it was before just yeah. can't happen. So once it's yeah. burned, it's it's done. Like it screws up like the nitrogen levels and like the, the the pH balance of the actual soil, right? Yeah. Like when we do you remember when you were in school? Like I remember like back in like classes in the eighties, they would always talk about like X amount of acres, like a hundred acres of rainforest are burning like every minute, and you like it seemed like the rainforest wouldn't even exist by the time we got to twenty nineteen from the lessons we were learning. And it's just weird to hear like. I don't, know. Still I, burning, I don't know. Still burning? I don't know. Farmers is, have always done it out there. They've always sort of burned But it, it is land. disturbing. It's supposed to be our green, the green lung of our air. Yeah. It constitute, what, something 20% of the the, the the carbon that we, that it, I don't know all the stats, but it's, yeah. and now it's a, kind of turning it into a black lung. Yeah. So, I mean, with the rainforest, Amazon rainforest, there's a lot of efforts in the, like, mid to the mid-2000s into the early 2010s. And that um, was kind of an effort that was made to reforest it, to kind of bring it back, uh, to oh. really end a lot of those policies that allow farmers and a lot of other industries to take over and do forest. Yeah. So there was a slowdown. But then, again, this last year, there's just been a huge ramp up. Okay. Wow. Terrible stuff. So is has anything advanced since you've written the story? Is it getting worse? Are they getting a handle on these forest fires? Does it seem like it's going to get worse before it gets better? So it looked like there was, there was a lot of spread into other countries. Um, oh. Bolivia was really oh, wow. impacted by it. And the United States. How do they actually, feel about that? Not happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the United States sent a lot of aid to them. They sent, um, I mean, they sent like the 747 tankers, the super tankers that come wow. and extinguish those fires. And so Bolivia was very excited to get all that help. Whereas there was some the initial rejection of any aid from any other country into Brazil to kind of come in and fight those fires. And since then, that sort of stepped back, and they started, like, the, uh, the the president of Brazil just seemed to really step in and be like, okay, you know what, fine, we'll take the money, we'll take it, we'll, but we're going to allocate what happens, too. Oh, that's such that a happens. weird, like, isn't that such a weird political situation? It would be like, if you owned a store, right, and then you get in a fight with uh, one of your customers, and he's like, I am not going to buy trinkets from you anymore. I'm not going to buy corn from you anymore. I'm going to go buy it from the other guy. And then the other guy is like, because of the demand, he's got to start setting like things on fire in town. And then you're like, oh, I guess I got to help him now and put those. I don't, it's just, it doesn't have a weird political situation. Kind of weird. And yeah. thanks for covering it and letting us know what is going on. Mm-hmm. And since you're first time, you got you to bag How do you it. pronounce your last name? Cuvedo. Cuvedo. Hey, it's great to have you on. What do you What do you do now for uh, here at Freight Waves? Well, now I'm the sustainability market expert. Well, nice. great, great to have you on. <laughs> yes. Boom. Nice, nice. That was kind Solid. of like a yeah. It's like kind of like a wake up call. Yeah, yeah. Wake up. Hello. Put out those forest fires. Sustainability. Hello. Yeah. All right. Great All to right. have you on. Hey. Thank you. Thank Alex. you for joining us. I think we got to find out what's on the radar in sonar. With a boy. And who better to do it? Kyle Cunningham. This Let's... this guy over here, he uh he joined me down in Dallas. We saw a lot of e- those e-scooters over there. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys ride a few? Um Absolutely I did. Uh... On the radar. Presented by Sonar. How oh. fast do you think those things go? I can tell you they go about 17 downhill. I'm talking <laughs> downhill. He was sick as a dog, and he took one for a ride down to a CBS, yeah. and he came back, and he was very proud of himself. 
How yeah. So okay. Well, so, me and me and Brad Ganane and uh, T Bro and actually Patrick Duffy, we had a scooter gang going on in in Denver, and those really? things are so dangerous because oh why you're going down the hill. I mean, we we're topping out at like twenty two. Wow. Wow. Which is really fast for no yes. helmet. Yeah. And dude, we're going down this hill. And first off, there's just well, I mean, there's the less fortunate of the world that have chosen to make the sidewalk their bed. So you gotta like dodge, you know, the homeless folks in the road. Wow. And then we were going down this hill and there's this just metal pole sticking out of the concrete. If you would have hit that thing, it would have been a It'd be trip like a serious skiing accident. It would be yeah. real bad. They're really dangerous. Yeah. They're a public health hazard. Yeah. Don't <laughs> friends don't let friends ride scooters. Yeah. All right, so tell us, man, what's going on in Sonar? We just had JP Sonar, in. Uh, big times. He yeah. was talking to us about some of the effects or non-effects of Dorian on a storm yep. that you actually went out to Florida to cover, and the storm was taking so long you had to come all the way back. Yeah, it was great. I was, I was, um, it was like a Twilight Zone episode. I was like trying to find a storm. Yeah, I was at the. I went, I went down. That is to, weird. To Tallahassee. Come to me. Yeah, I went down to Tallahassee, and I was hoping to speak with like the governor. You know, the yeah. big time folks. We ended up going to the pilot flying J and <laughs> <laughs> all the uh truckers were basically like, Man, I'm just doing my normal job here. Yeah. Nothing really interesting to say to go live with. I mean, trying to force a storm that's not happening. Ended up talking to Ken Armstrong, great guy from Florida Trucking Association. Yeah. He gave us a really good perspective on how to stay prepared, how to understand these things that happen, whatnot. But in terms of sonar, man, outbound tender volume. Anybody who's inside a sonar saw, you know, with these holidays, it's no, it's it's no scary thing when the volume drops two hundred points. Yeah, on Labor Day week. Labor Day weekend, yeah. nothing, nothing huge. It's, it doesn't form a huge gap like the four day weekend. Of, Let me slow you down just for a second, though, just sure. for the audience who's not familiar with how something like sonar functions. Absolutely. What does two hundred points represent? No, that's a great question. So outbound tender volume. Yeah, the value index, excuse me, the index value from March first, twenty eighteen, was set at ten thousand, and the reason being is that ten thousand is a good base point. Yeah, it was it, March first, twenty eighteen, was a good point as well because that was a uh, pretty hot freight market. It was right before it all pumped up. Yeah, so it gives you a benchmark to say, all right, from ten thousand, the base point where it's at today is going to give you a relative percentage change from that day of the inception. So. Pre-Labor Day, you're seeing, you know, 10,320, 10,400. So those points above are going to basically tell you it's three point. If it's 10,320, that's 3.2% higher than March 1st, 2018. So it makes it easy. Why 10,000? That was the number they came up with. Yeah. Having that- Why March 1st? Well, Sonar was actually launched. I don't know the exact launch date off the top of my head. We're, we were t- I think it's around June, 1st of June of 2018. So it was I think basically it was May was during it, Transparency yeah, 18. Yeah, so yeah. before okay. my time at Freightways. But Freight they Waves, did establish it in March? I'm they just, established it in okay. March because okay. to give the data some validity yeah. and yeah. weight. you got to create a lake, right? Exactly. Because if you start, if you just start right when you launch it, it's going, like, the, the numbers will just be, like, massive. Yeah, it would just yeah. be. They 10, had to have something yeah. to build on as they were yeah. building it before they released it. Exactly. I get it. Okay. So, so where it's at now, being able to see your outbound tender volume, and keep in mind, this measures so much. The 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 data partners inside of sonar they're so valuable and they're so um diligent in their reporting that it is a clear composite picture of what's happening in the freight markets and these big drops that you see like i said they're nothing to get scared about it's not like a sell off in the stock market it's the fact that monday yeah. and sunday it's labor day no one's doing anything so yeah. watching it over this next week seeing it hop up back up we can see it hop back up to 10,000 plus, then we're doing good. All in all, still feeling pretty good. In terms of actual markets, I was looking today at market shares, seeing what's shifting around. So the market share, think about a big pie. Yeah. Each individual market's going to be a slice of pie. You're making so, me hungry. Exactly. Apple, <laughs> peach, cherry, whatever yeah. you need. Hey, you Lakeland. So, La- yeah, Lakeland, Lakeland. Yeah. So, because I'm looking at uh, one of the notes you put on here, and you said that rejects are up 23%. Is that a variable because, uh, is that again because of the weather? Some of these, these companies might have like FEMA contracts or something, or is it just due to closures? What exactly is going on? And why well, is Lakeland such a big deal anyway? Why yeah, is that so, staging So point? it's a big deal um, in terms of, of Lakeland kind of heating up. You know, here's the thing with the rejections. What I like to do when I look at the concept of rejections, you can have like, I saw today, Billings, Montana. is like a 220% increase in rejections. Well, if you go from, you know, 1.1, 
to 1.6. That's a huge deal. So I always like to look for these larger markets like uh, Joplin, Missouri. Okay. And then Lakeland, it's still floating around that under 10%. So it's still a broker shipper market. But with those rejects coming up, basically implying that that inbound capacity that normally would have been coming into Lakeland probably turned down as folks saying, I ain't going down there for the storm. Miami, the same story, 17% up. Once you get in those markets, you'd be hard-pressed to find outside of holiday periods anything above 10% favoring carriers. But it's always good to know, hey, I might be in not the greatest position, but is it a better bad position than I was in yesterday? You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, Chad, are you familiar? You're a baseball fan, right? Big Braves fan? Yeah. And we might even go to that Houston Astros game, check them out versus the Rangers. But are you familiar with the Mendoza line is? Yes. <laughs> it's right, like the bare minimum you can hit yeah. as a batter. Yeah, 200 yeah. Is, is the batting average. Need, I think there a, was a catcher yeah. named uh, something. His well, last gonna, name was Mendoza. So are like the Joplins of the world, the Lakelands yeah. of the world, the Miamis of the world. Because yeah. these are kind of conditional. Well, Joplin's a bit conditional. different than Lakeland yeah. and Miami. Very, well, very I know, but so. Lakeland right now is kind of being used as a Mendoza line of sorters, though, as a testing because of the storm. Well, and a lot of this stuff, too, if you look on a headhaul map and you look at Florida pretty much consistently on the daily, now the weekly yeah. or the two or the, the two weekly or the monthly headhaul map as well, that's going to show you when these markets are heating up. Actually, on the weekly, uh, Miami and Lakeland were doing a little better in terms of outbound freight from this point today versus last week, so that's good to know. But, yeah, in terms of a Mendoza line, Joplin, Missouri, <laughs> just generally a good place to be a carrier and having capacity nearby. Now, the one thing, and I was telling everybody at McLeod this, what Sonar gives you the ability to do is say, how valuable is my capacity today if you're mm-hmm. in the carrier side? And then if you're the one holding the freight, mm-hmm. how valuable is my freight to these carriers? How desperate are they in need of my freight? And what the answer is today is most likely not going to be the answer tomorrow. And wow. we saw that today, Spokane, Washington, um, and then Iowa. Yesterday on the freight was now I was talking Iowa these huge increases in intra-Iowa rejections, 16 17%, really favorable to carriers come in this morning. It's all done. The party's over. And if we're not mistaken, you reminded me today's Wednesday, right? Today is, is Wednesday. So that Hump means day. you all will day. probably be going live with the night shift yeah, night maybe shift tonight. tonight. We're going to have Dean Croak and uh, proud to Ooh. say this show is going to be sponsored by uh, the great folks at XPO Logistics. Ooh. So we're showcasing the drive by XPO. App. Yes, and, fantastic. Uh, definitely tune in. If you're a small carrier and watching it, we're going to be going live on all platforms tonight at 7 p.m. Cool. And we're going to run through these trends in a little bit of deeper, deeper detail. Got the perspective of the genius Dean Croak from down under. Ooh, that'll Rockin'. be fun. That'll yeah, be I'm really excited. Today's going to be a good one. Um, we're, you know, my goal, just as I'm sure your goal is with these shows, yeah. get better every time. And if you're, uh, I know, I wish that would always happen, but <laughs> no, 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 we will do we better. But, but, here, but here's the good episode. news. Yeah. And for listeners, here's the good news. If you're already subscribed to this, you got a notification. Yeah. You're on the LinkedIn, the YouTubes of the world, the Facebooks of the world. Yes. You're already signed up to get the notification when our friend Kyle goes It's going to be awesome. So it's me. It's Dean Croak. Yeah. It's T, bro. And it's nice. Reed Clements. Pretty good powerhouse of a team. One last thing. Talking about radar. Talking about what's going on. Montgomery inbound rejections we talk all the time about outbound rejections inbound rejections can be kind of that kid standing in the corner everyone forgets to talk to yeah (laughs) inbound rejections 11.6 percent into my uh montgomery excuse me Mm -hmm. and they're staging those trailers out out at maxwell air base in montgomery so in terms of the inbound you know the concept of hey i don't want to go into montgomery because i'll be sitting or hey pay me more to go into montgomery so don't forget your inbound Take your outbound into consideration. And then we're going to, over the next few months, I'm going to start developing a little more in regards to the philosophy of Sonar and the user experience in terms of how do you take this data? First, you understand it. Once you understand it, then you're able to mold it into your own abilities and find those advantages the reason the platform was created. All right. I'm Nick, Nick friend, our Nick friend, my friend, and yours he's, is he's chomping at the friend. bit to get yeah, in here. Yeah, let's get him in here. Yeah. Good to see y'all. Good Enjoy to the see show. You. Thank you. Thanks. Night Thanks shift, 7 Thanks, p.m. Kyle. We'll see y'all later. Fantastic. Take the deeper dive tonight on the night shift with Good Kyle. analysis. Thank you, sir. Now it's time. This is not Emily's thing. Is that a big deal or a little deal that Nick friend? Hey, guys. Big deal. Big deal. Hey, everybody. Big deal. Little deal. Ooh, let's get a little reggaeton in here. A little reggaeton. Reggaeton. So you work for Emily Zink, right? You're on I, the Freightways I, team? Yes. Yeah, I'm part of the video team. Yeah. Yeah. 
What did you friend? do? What did you do before you joined us? Because you have a very interesting story. I think you used to gleam the cube on rollerblades. I uh, <laughs> for for a considerable amount of time. I mean, actually, that was my foray into to working in video. Yeah, because you got so injured. I got so <laughs> injured that my only capacity to contribute <laughs> to the cause was to film people, yeah. other people doing what I wanted to do. And then next thing I know, I, I started making documentaries, started working on television, started working on movies. And then just freelancing my life away. Were you uh, making those like yeah, your old, life um, is a documentary? If you follow like <laughs> if you follow like skating and stuff, a lot of like the street videos that used to be made back in the yeah. day were like those those VHS tape trading things that were like part punk rock, yeah, part like uh like novice graphics users. Like they would always sort of have like that '90s industrial kind of like effects going on. Yeah, well, the word you're looking for is bad. Bad. Yeah, really, really terrible graphics. Oh, I thought you were going to say rad. Like, bad no, isn't good. No, they were awful, but they yeah. were well, very well intended. Yeah, they were. Well, it was a style and it was a look, Yeah, absolutely. And it was just this gritty, don't give a damn about yeah. what I'm doing yeah. type of graphic, type of filmmaking. And, and, and I gravitated very much towards, like, the lifestyle aspect of it all. And then I thought it was an interesting piece of content, so I started making more and more in-depth stuff. Next thing you know, I was working on... You know, movies like Planet of the Apes and Terminator Genesis. Oh, wow. Were you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you do on Terminator Genesis? I day played with the camera department. I was a camera production assistant. All right. Uh, And uh, I was there for two weeks. Yeah. And we flipped an 18-wheeler. That was enough time to fix that movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was an unmitigated failure. So you got to see, so I was watching the special features on The Dark Knight. I don't know if you're, like, a nerd like me, Chad, and streaming has kind of, like, ruined, like, that market of the special features mm-hmm. on videos. But I still buy a lot of movies. I couldn't like agree more. Yeah. Special features is what I got, love them. Oh, they're so good. Uh, yeah, especially when, like, I hate when they only give you, like, a five-minute one. But when they give you, like, like the hour behind the scenes of, like, the making oh, of The Dark Knight, and you get to see what's actually practical yeah. and what's digital, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's great to see legitimate BTS footage yeah. has always been, like, it. that's, like, the... That's like when you take two Oreos and yeah. you stuff the stuffing together. It's like that extra bit of good. That it's no, almost like too much yeah. goodness. It, yeah, but no such thing. We got to oh, do a freight all kinds on that, on, on movie sets and some of these instructions. Yeah. Because I mean, we, could, we could talk all day right now about this kind of stuff. But let's get to the big deal. Little deal, you are filling in for the lovely Emily Zink. This yeah. is your first appearance on What the Truck, and we're really looking forward Thank to you. it. So I'm happy. My mother always told me I had a face for radio. So. Nice. Well, you're actually you in video now. The stream is bigger <laughs> than the audio portion now. So we got that going for us. Well, then I'm very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're ready to go fire away. All right. Cross-border cargo insurance is a great challenge for North American competitiveness. Is this a big deal or is it a little deal? Craig, uninsured, Prevost, what do you think? <laughs> this is like the fifth time someone's called you Craig instead um, of Jet. Oh, no. Well, well, I'm sorry. Good night, everybody. No, no I, spent like, I spent like 15 <laughs> minutes in Denver. And I blame, like, the oxygen level, but wasn't I calling you Craig? Like, How many times have I does. called you Craig just today? Uh, just once, guys. Just it's okay. All right. So you didn't so hear good. the other three times. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, uh, uninsured. Chad, uninsurable <laughs> prevost. What uninsurable do you think? as well. Uh, cross-border. It's a little deal. I yeah. butchered that. Uh, so it's, that's all right. It's, uh, you know, I, that's, that's all I have to say. It's a, it's a little deal. No big deal. No. Just a little deal. No, I can barely even... Remember what it is. You know what? No, no one's <laughs> crazy to me. Like so three times. cargo insurance is cheap. You know, like on a $100,000 load, it's like $150. So mm-hmm. for like 100 it's like 15 Yeah. Cents. It's super It's super cheap, but it's amazing how many companies just forego it. So that's kind of the big deal, especially in Ocean where there's things like, I mean, this is talking more about cross-border and trucks, but like the insurance is basically the same rates as Ocean stuff. And in Ocean... When a ship sinks or is damaged to it, there's a thing called general average, and everybody on the ship has to pay a portion. And, like, every time I was selling freight, they would always think it was, like, some sort of scam. And I'm like, you don't want to put $150 on your $100,000 load to insure? Like, I don't know. Right. I don't know. So it's a big deal in the sense that people should probably take insurance just a little bit more seriously because it can be drastically beneficial. It's well, a small price to pay for a really big benefit yeah, is the theory. Peace of mind, right? But people just don't bother. Like, peace of that's mind. Not, to me, that kind of sounds like a big deal. When I was a kid, I used to think piece of mine was like a slice of mine. Yeah. I give that a big deal. That's a Dooner. All right. That's the Dooner point. I like that. He's he's refereeing, too. (laughs) Emily doesn't do that. She just moves on. I I, I have been known for, unfortunately, taking sides. Okay. I I enjoy this. Hurricane Dorian still on track to damage the southeast coast. Dooner, do you batten down the hatches, or is this a storm, a big hunt? A bug hunt. You ever see aliens? That's Uh, what Vasquez calls uh, when they're looking for the aliens. They can't find any. 
I just and want she to point out, bug guys, hunt. guys, I really need to learn to read better. That's all right. That's okay. That's it's right. a good it's thing a I'm a visual de- person. It's a yeah. small device. Yeah. Well, we'll get it <laughs> phonetically for you. Um, so a bug hunt is uh, with in aliens, with Vasquez. When they land on the planet, they're looking for all of the aliens, right? And, they, and, and she calls it a bug hunt because they don't find any. But eventually they did, right? They actually found way more than the first movie. Right. That's why it's plural. It, they, aliens. So are we going to find a bunch of hurricanes? I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm going to say right now. Are there now more that, hurricanes on the way that are going to I mean, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Dorian hasn't been a bigger deal. Mm. And it's, it's terrible what happened to the Bahamas, and it's terrible that it stayed over there, and seven people so far have died from that storm. Fortunately, it seems like it's riding the coast a little bit further out, and it's not causing terrible amounts of damage. So it's I, kind of skirting the entire skirting east coast. coast. It's not yeah. necessarily. I don't. I haven't checked the update in about an hour or so. So but it's yeah, just kind of skirting. So what's your, the, so what's your final answer? I hope it's a bug. Hunt. I hope it stays that. Okay. Way. You hope. So, so you hope so that's that it's really a, a non-answer. Yeah. So you already lose. Uh, <laughs> I think by default because you didn't you're say it. Hoping it's a Chad deal. gets the point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been a big deal. Doesn't even deal. have to answer Tardy's point. Here's the big deal about it. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking about it for about five days. Yeah. It's disrupted <laughs> and distorted some supply chains, and uh, I think it is wrecking some havoc along the East Coast. Yeah. Although I admit I don't know uh, exactly where yet. <laughs> it doesn't have to hit landfall okay. for it to be. There's, bad. there's expectations of a lot of impact hitting the South Carolina market. Yeah. 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 It looks on target. Hopefully it just veers off. I mean, it's already it keeps downgrading too. Like category two, maybe the category one, and then category none. Right. Let's hope. So Let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes down to tropical storm. Tropical storm. Nice. That sounds nice. The like, four higher. Pineapple in it and yeah. Umbrella. No, then you no. I don't think oh. that's exactly okay. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> the four higher trucking market does not have a driver shortage problem. Chad, is that a truth? You're gonna hire or fire? <laughs> Put me on the spot. Uh-huh. I'm gonna say it is a little deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, there is not a gigantic driver uh, shortage. There is a ton of capacity, if anything. So you're gonna hire that? Yeah. yeah so so I'm he gonna, doesn't. Yeah. So it I is, have to. Though, I'm saying it's a little deal, which is the game we're playing. It's a little deal. Yes, yeah. but the way it's worded, you're wrong. So he's already lost. But I will answer anyway. Just to, I think to that's the trend that we've developed so. at this point. Just we're gas. It's inherently biased fire. towards the writer. No, our Craig Fuller, CEO of here, Craig Fuller, <laughs> CEO of the company. He wrote a great article about this, and he refutes some of the the statements that I guess you know, I would lobbies have made about the market in terms of saying that there's a driver shortage problem. Where he talks about you know there being too many drivers seated in trucks right now. Too many companies went out and they're over over people capacity mm. at the moment. And a lot of times the things driver shortages talking about are really market problems where companies have problems hiring drivers themselves, but the the greater economy of trucking doesn't. So I mean I would agree, and the, and the rates tell the story. You know, if yeah. there was if there was a driver shortage, rates wouldn't be as depressed as they are. Right? Right? Yeah. Give me a thumbs up if you agree. Hire or fire then. What hire, I already oh, said. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm calling that a draw. Oh. All right. All right, let's move on. Because, you did a lot of nice man's Because I'm there. completely biased. All right. Yes. <laughs> Roughly 640 carriers went out of business in the first half of 2019. Whoa. That's 465 more failed carriers than at the same time last year. Dooner, big deal, little deal. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. That's a lot of carriers, right? I mean, that's uh, – I mean, I don't know. That was, means there was only like 100 and some odd that went – out of business at this point last year. A lot of these are smaller ones. The major ones that represented about 3,000 trucking jobs was about 10, right? And that extends from New England Motor Freight at the beginning of the year all the way up to ready trucking at the end of August. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big deal because the repercussions of people getting over-optimistic about the market from 2018 are starting to carry over. They ordered too many trucks. They hired too many people. They extended that uh, that driver pay and a lot of those, those things. It's, it's not working out in an economy like this year. I'm going to say from a, I mean, obviously from a, a personal human, if we're looking at every job matters, it's a big deal to the families and, and people and communities whom, uh, who are affected from this. Macro lens is that it is a little deal because it's not nearly, uh, they're, they're, we're covering it better than ever. Mm-hmm. So it seems the, the lens through which we're filtering it may make it seem like it's a bigger deal. And it comes in a time, I would also add, that there was back-to-back uh, at the beginning of 2019 
slow markets that led us to defining the beginning of this year as a freight recession. Nevertheless, (laughs) was that for the freight recession? That was for your answer. Because you're saying bummed because you're saying that coverage, you're saying that coverage has increased and that's extending the problem. But clearly, there's been way more cars going out of business. There's not. There's been many bigger years of 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 uh, failures than 2019. Okay. Yeah. There's worse failures than you. <laughs> there, I'm sure there are. Okay, but I. I but there's also there. that underlying aspect of like less businesses means better competition for the existing existing ones. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a double edged sword. You can look at yeah. it positively on either side. Although, like in in trucking, it's a little bit different because a lot of these like so there's ten majors and that means that there's what 630 minor ones that are less than sure. ten trucks. I, I mean, a lot of those are just companies that reform again as owner operators going to pull freight. I mean, freight's kind of a strange market. Mm-hmm. On to the next one. An attempt to smuggle 53 pounds of Ooh. meth yeah. results in the arrest at an Arizona port of entry. The drugs had a street value of $50,000. Chad, is this a breaking bad deal? Uh, I'm going to say little deal. It's hmm. just a drop in the pond. Is this, uh, is, this, is this breaking bad or is it Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle. I think we're going to call it Malcolm in the Middle. Far away from home <laughs> or friends. I mean, uh, 53 pounds of meth is only $50,000. I mean, that's, I'm a little shocked by that. How much does a pound of meth cost? I guess that, like, a Why do you look at me like I instantly know that answer? <laughs> what what, what <laughs> is it? Like, it's a little less than $1,000 for a pound of meth. Yeah. That, that seems like it, that seems pretty cheap. That seems inexpensive. I don't know yeah. anything about any sort of meth. Like the street value of meth? No, nothing. Yeah. Um, is it a big deal? I mean, I guess it's a big deal in the sense that it's more meth being in fact. Because, I mean, like, whenever you find, like, whenever there's a rat, right, in the mm-hmm. in the restaurant, there's probably, like, a colony of them. So when you find this, it's just indicative of all that really means is there's a lot more meth flowing through that you're not You think finding. it's just the tip of the iceberg? Uh, the tip of, the, like, the uh, meth crystal, yeah. You think it's the you think it's one of many that should have been caught but didn't get caught, is what you're saying? I'm still hung up on the street value of meth. Because usually, like, they really inflate these things. It just seems really cheap to me. I don't know. I don't know the economics of meth, though. Neither do I. <laughs> Maybe you need to bring in a market expert. Yeah, you can yeah. get an entire pound of meth for $1,000. Wow. Yeah, that seems... And there's 16 ounces and in a pound, a right? Deal. They're making a big deal about whether I can get my Sudafed, like, yeah. more than so once a month. That's a less than, like, $100 God, an ounce. Like, if I want Benadryl, I have to go through a lot of hoops, but these people are bringing in pounds of meth. I know. 53, yeah. that's a that's like a big backpack of meth. <laughs> and how dense is the weight of meth? Like, how much? Because that like if that was, like, marijuana, for example, like, marijuana is really puffy and popcorn-y and stuff, like, that would be a I, lot I, I, of, I, I like, wouldn't know. yeah. You would need, like, a, a wagon at least. <laughs> Get a red flyer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How much? <laughs> what, is, what does a pound of meth look like? Chad, powdery and white. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's I, no. That's cocaine. Uh, yeah, but don't they make that's it? A snow isn't bag. it in a powder as well? No, I think it's no, already it's in like crystallized yeah, form. Crystal oh. form. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look at. And that. I'm upset that neither of you got uh, my Brian Cranston reference. What was it? Breaking Bad versus Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, oh, okay. come on! Oh, oh, he did both. Okay, oh, he, he was did also both. in Godzilla. I, you know what? That's right. Yeah, but let's not, let's let's not bring that up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic. Breaking Bad, probably my favorite uh, series of all time. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, you and Anthony Hopkins have the same opinion. Really? Anthony Hopkins wrote an open letter to Vince Gilligan, the creator of that show, saying that that was not only the best television show that he ever seen, but one of the best pieces of content he had ever seen on any screen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Me and well, Anthony you Hopkins. You and Tony Hopkins share a remarkably similar opinion. All right. Question six. <laughs> According to a recent study, 40% of people injured riding e-scooters, it's like Bird We've and Lyft has this, good bit yeah. today. had alcohol levels above the legal limit Surprise. and THC and methamphetamine, right. here we are again, uh, were next highest in concentration. Is this deal dockless, Mr. Dooner? Well, you know, so as I mentioned, I was in two cities in a row that have this scooter epidemic going on. And when I looked at people riding them, I'm like, you know, half these people look like they're on drugs. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's no surprise to me that, that a lot of people are getting injured. Because, like, when you take a lot of, like, you know, you're, you're, like, really drunk or something, you might look at a scooter. You know, if you're not, if you're sober, you're going to be yeah. like, yeah, it looks like, like fun, but I don't have time That's, for it. When you're, you're sober, the scooter looks like fun. When you're drunk, then, yeah. the scooter's a ride. Let's you're do on this. You're on I it. Know, I, the only thing stopping it. you is downloading the app and like your Wi-Fi connection. I can. I didn't do it. 
Yeah. I know how to do that. I mean, I think the helmet thing's a big thing, and we were kind of touching on insurance. So is that like, an obligation? Do you have to wear a helmet to no, ride nine, one of these scooters? 98% of the people injured are not wearing helmets, and of they don't course, come yeah. with helmets or anything. They don't, yeah, exactly. They don't come with them. The whole thing is like on the spot rental, so you, yeah. unless you, yeah, you're not going to have it. It seems I know, lawless. It's like the business. There's also a lot of uh, people going around uh, just before Dorian was heading towards the Florida Panhandle. There was a lot of uh, companies that were hiring uh, people with trucks to go pick up all these scooters oh, from all over the place because they were flying all over the city. Yeah. And so there were truckloads of people uh, uh, grabbing all these scooters and, and bringing them to safe places. Well, what do you think, Jeff? Well, have you said? You haven't said it's a big deal of the deal. Is it a big deal that people are on? <laughs> no, are I, well, it's not a big deal. It doesn't surprise when they're me. Riding I believe all these that scooters. people are on. Like, they might, now that that meth got confiscated in Arizona, they might have a harder time. Well, suddenly we're going to have much better scooters. I guess so. Less accidents. Less scooter riders. At least, at least in Arizona. Yeah. I, guess I, <laughs> I, will, I guess I will stick with my little deal. Uh, I think it's a little, a bit of a little deal. Uh, you know, the thing about the scooter thing overall is I want to like it because I like the idea of, uh, of the freedom of just saying, of the permission, just Yes, you can do this. Here's a lot of money. Here's scooters. I love the 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 spirit behind that idea. It's the opposite of so many other things that we've we tried to do. Uh, nevertheless, it is rife with problems, isn't it? So it's fun to beat up on and make a make it. But yes, there's this is just yet another uh, level of. Just it's it's more piling on of the piles of scooters that are littering many cities. Quite right. I, I little deal. Very much agree with that. All right, number seven. A Chattanooga man, Craig Barr, has sued a local Popeyes chain for running <laughs> for running out of a popular chicken sandwich. Is this, is this a value meal miscarriage or a justice deal? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this hot is, button issues here, man. Hot uh, button issues. This is a value meal, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I just feel sorry for people who are so desperate that they need to, uh, you know, like create lawsuits and wave guns at people for not being able to have a a uh, a Popeyes chicken sandwich. But no doubt they must be good. Uh, and I am going to run to the nearest store after this and 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 find one and get one. Well, there's not onions on that little, sandwich, but this read like an deal. onion article because it did. Th- well, this guy. Yeah. Did you read the article about this guy? I, d- I didn't. I skimmed it. So what happened I is I read the title. I, I saw it. Yeah. So what he's what he's claiming in his article is that he rode all the way around like Chattanooga in his yeah. car to all the Popeyes and destroyed his car somehow. So I don't know if he's like driving up the curves, <laughs> ri- riding yeah. off of them, uh, just storming off into traffic, damaging his car. He also got swindled on Craigslist out of $25 by someone. Like, I don't know who buys fast food off Craigslist. Not me, but this guy, he Craig. Was, oh, you don't? Desperate. Have you not tried? Well, this guy seems so stupid that he probably thinks that there's a website for everybody's name, like a list. Like, there's a Chad's list, and, like, Chad has to his go buy things. His name is Craig. Yeah, it's Craig has to go buy off Craigslist. But what also happened is he's suing in there for emotional distress because all of his friends made fun of him for for this saga with the uh, the chicken sandwich. But in the, um, the Streisand effect of it all, he decided to... Then go and sue and make this an even bigger story to get made fun of by not just his friends, but what the truck and the United States of America. Did he think that the uh, that the largely based opinion on what a human being does to sue for not having a did he think that like I don't know I'm if not... he got more people's attention the opinion on him would change I don't know this seems like a viral a marketing campaign gone gone awry <laughs> yes much like those e scooters yeah he, uh, he essentially just sued for just to make fun of himself. And I think what he ended up doing. That's a good analysis, right there. Yeah. Well, Mr. Nick. Well, that's about it. We got. Thank you. uh, Wow. Big deal. Epic. Big deal. Little. Oh, here you go. Hit this before you go. It's your first time. You have to as a first timer. Ooh, thank you, sir. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Nick. Friend, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to go home. But you can't see. Once upon a time, he's actually going to be right, right behind us. Actually. Yeah. Right back at the computer base. I got you back. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Nick. Well, Chad, yeah. what is it? It's Wednesday, and I'm, I'm so confused. So we're going to have a show on Friday. We'll be back at uh, 3.30 Wednesday. on Friday. Uh, you can find this show on podcast players everywhere, on Apple, Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. Podcasts are heard around the world. Follow him at 
Chad Prevost. Follow me at Timothy Dooner. That's T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-D-O-O-N-E-R. Chad's got a brand new show. It's called Off the Supply Chain. It's on Freeweave's YouTube channel now, right, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's everywhere that you can find YouTube And because videos. it's off the supply chain, your episodes, they don't just come out. They drop. We 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 drop them. You dropped it. So yeah. what are the one that you just dropped? What's that about? We uh we did trade wars. War. What is it good for? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, nothing. Apparently, is like the some bloods say. in the crypts of trade. Uh, and transparency in the supply chain coming out this week as well. What is the release date on these? Is there a, is there a set cadence yet, or are um, we still getting to that? We're aiming for Thursday. We're aiming for yes. Thursdays. Nice. So keep, yes. Well, tomorrow then. Yes. Is, so that will be out tomorrow. Well, I don't want to put any pressure on okay. the production crew. Okay, so that'll maybe but, be out tomorrow. Yes, that that's the idea. We're Wait, a we're a merry band. If you uh, go to YouTube today, you can actually see a professionally produced version of our two shows in Denver on oh, the Freeways yeah. channel. So I recommend yeah. going to do that if you haven't caught up with that one. Uh, I don't know if we look better or worse in 4K, but uh, that can be for you to decide. <laughs> I love that new booth. We will have it with us in Houston. And I, I, Chad, I think unless you got something else, that's pretty much it for for me. That's it. Let's wrap this puppy yeah, up. Yeah, we got a little long, so let's play this closing theme. Banger cowbell. Yeah. Banger cowbell for Nick Brand for his first time. Bang a little cowbell for Alex for her first time talking about sustainability. Nice job, Alex. Bang a little cowbell for the forest fires in the Amazon. We hope those go out. Bang a little cowbell for everybody who's in harm's way of hurricane. Dorian. Stay safe out there. Bang a little cowbell for all the listeners of What the Drug. Bang a little cowbell for you sitting at your desk watching the live stream. Bang a little cowbell for the guy in the grocery store. Listen to us in his ear about looking for some Kraft macaroni and cheese with the cauliflower. Pretty good, too. Have you had that? I got that for my keys. Delicious stuff. No, that does not Comfort sound good. Comfort food for the soul.